0: It is hard to believe that... Julie and I are beginning a new school year as our older child, Emily, begins her senior year of college. It doesn't even seem possible that we are here, and yet here we are. And it's been really fascinating and truly a blessing for Julie and me to watch Emily navigate her, co- her college career particularly since she's done it so much more skillfully than her father did his college career a hundred years ago. Um, I remember vividly as I was approaching the end of my college years at the University of Texas, I remember as I was finishing the fifth year of my four-year program, I was preparing for that last round of final exams. And I was so excited to finally be done with my undergrad. And, and my mom, I know, was so relieved that it was actually going to happen. And then I had the dream. You know the dream I'm talking about. It, it, afflict, it afflicts legions of college and even high school graduates around the world. It's that dream that you have where you sit down to take the last final exam of your career. And the tests are handed out when you realize you're taking an exam for a class that you have never attended. You don't know the professor. You don't know anybody in the classroom. And as such, you know when the test is handed out, you are going to fail the exam, which means you will fail the class, which means you will not graduate. I had this cliché dream. I will never forget waking up in a pool of cold sweat And being so panicked that I jumped out of bed in the middle of the night, turned on the light, and immediately went to my registration page in the course schedule book to make sure that I knew exactly what classes I had that semester, that I knew exactly what time the finals were and where they were located across the 40 acres of the UT campus. And finally, after about 45 minutes, the adrenaline kind of started to to dwindle a little bit and I could finally go back to sleep. Just before dawn, I had the dream now, for a lot of us, final exams can be a stressful, stressful time, especially if you haven 't necessarily kept up all semester long but final exams can also be incredibly revealing I, I think that 's part of the reason that that teachers inflict the, i mean assign final exams is because they want to reveal. What we've actually retained from the class. And just like we have final exams in school, the fact of the matter is that you and I and our identity that we've been studying over the last few weeks as a church family in this series called You Do You, there is absolutely a final exam for our identity. Now our identity, of course, is as we've said, that God-given gumbo of gifts and talents, strengths and weaknesses, personality that God supernaturally pours into the bowl of each and every soul uniquely. Your identity is only your identity. Your soul is the only one like it, mine, the only one like it that has ever been or ever will be the creative genius of God manifest individually and uniquely in every single life. That's our identity. And yet we have the opportunity throughout our lives. It's really a a lifelong process of discovering and developing and ultimately demonstrating our identity in front of the world. And, And it's against that backdrop that today we look at the final exam of identity. The final exam of your identity, for my identity, is legacy. What will be your legacy? What will be my legacy? Now, legacy is a fascinating word. I've always assumed that legacy meant something that is left behind. It it might be a a financial inheritance that somebody leaves. It it could be a reputation. It could be something that that you've taught and instilled in those who will come after you. But what I've discovered is that legacy is not something that is left behind. The word legacy actually comes to us from an old medieval word from the French. And it actually refers to a a delegated authority of the king who is sent out. This delegated authority, this legacy, this legation would represent the king as the king and the nation was preparing for battle and for war. And the king would send this legation out to meet with the opposition, with the opponents in the coming battle, in order to see if war could be avoided. And there the two delegations, the legations, would discuss and they would parlay to see if war could be avoided. They were sent there as assigned representatives of the king. And that is exactly what you and I are. We have a legacy that God has given to us and sent us out with, specifically that God has sent us out as. You are a legacy. I am a legacy sent from the King. Tell your neighbor right now with passion and enthusiasm, you're a legacy. You're a legacy. You are someone who has been sent out from the King. And our legacy... Is what we send out into the world after us. This is what God is ultimately all about. And, and remember, throughout this series, we've been looking at the life of Moses. Moses, if you'll remember, who was called by God to lead Israel out of Egyptian slavery and into the promised land. But remember, we discovered throughout the series that when God called Moses, he was far from a finished product. I think we could say charitably that when God called Moses, he was very, very much in progress. Remember, it was there at the burning bush and and Moses had grown up an orphan, an Israelite orphan discovered by Pharaoh's daughter there in Egypt and not fully Israelite. He was raised in Egyptian royalty, but he wasn't necessarily Egyptian royalty either. So he was very much a man without a country. And we know that he ultimately left Egypt because he was fleeing from justice because he had murdered someone and his murder had been found out and so he was a fugitive and as a fugitive the only place he could find work was working for his father-in-law tending his flocks his sheep and his goats literally in the desert and the bible goes to the trouble to tell us to give us the detail that not only was Moses working in a desert which is not a cush job Specifically, he was working on the backside of a desert. So Moses was far from a finished product when God called him, and yet it was exactly at that moment that God called him to step up and to step into his identity, who God had created him to be, what he had called him to do. And it was in that moment that Moses began to realize and bring into the world the fullness of of who God created him to be. And today, as we wrap up this study, we find Moses at the very end of his life. The Bible tells us that he was 120 years old. Anybody here over 110? Let me just see a show of hands. If you're over 110, you can raise your hand. That's awesome. But Moses was 120. And even at 120 years old, Moses was so deliberate. He was so intentional about his legacy, that he was deliberately imparting wisdom, intentionally teaching and showing Israel the nation that he had led for 40 years, exactly how to take hold of the promises of God, how to step into what he had created for them. If you've got your Bibles, which I hope you bring every Sunday, look in Deuteronomy Chapter 30. At the end of Deuteronomy. Now Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. The fifth book is is referred to as the Books of Moses. Bible scholars refer to it as the Pentateuch, five books. And there's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And in the final chapters of Deuteronomy, Moses is addressing Israel. This is kind of his his farewell address, his valedictory, if you will. And, and In this final address to Israel, Moses is doing everything that he can to make sure that Israel understands what really matters. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, after 430 years of Egyptian slavery, after 500 years since God had promised and covenanted with Abram that he would make them a great nation, now Moses is preparing Israel for what's next, what will be after he is no longer leading them. And in Deuteronomy chapter 30, he makes a profound statement to the nation of Israel. Look at what he says. He says, now listen, today I am giving you a choice, a choice between life and death, between prosperity and adversity, disaster, For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. And if you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. I mean, that's a pretty strong just bottom line statement. But I want you to notice what is at work in this statement. You see, as we've discovered throughout this series, identity is from God. Identity is something that God gives to us. But what Moses is showing us here is that though identity comes from God, legacy is for God. Legacy is for God. What we send out into the world is our return to God with what he's given to us. He's doing everything he can to make sure that Israel understands this is ultimately all about God. It's all about your relationship with God. And I think it's fascinating that he says, I'm giving you today a choice. Moses says, look, understand something. Life is very simple. That's not to say that it's easy. How many of you know that life is not easy? Could I just see a show of hands? Thank you so much but it's pretty simple. You've got a choice between life and death, between prosperity or that great Hebrew word shalom. Everybody say shalom. That's the word prosperity. It doesn't just mean financial advantage, although that can be a part of it. Certainly financial peace is a part of that, but it is that idea of fulfillment, of completion of God's will in our lives. A choice between life and death, between shalom and destruction. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the truth. That's the reality. You have a choice to make. I have a choice to make between life and death, between shalom and destruction. And it's important that we understand this because this is the reality of the world, This is the reality that God has created us to live in. And and it's a reality that I think a lot of times we may be kind of shy away from. We don't like to talk about it. And for those of you who are new, you'll find over the next few weeks and months that ours is not a church, and I'm certainly not a pastor, that really relishes talking about hell and destruction and fire and brimstone. we We don't do that. But... Hell is real. It's it's separation from God. Heaven is unity with God. It's open, complete fellowship with the God who loved you enough to create you, to give you that identity, and expressing that out in ways that glorify and honor him and point other people toward him. Hell is real, but so is heaven. Satan is real, but so is God. And Moses is telling Israel here, You have a choice to make. It's not about having a nice life or being a good person, good guy, or a good girl. It is literally a choice between life and death. Identity is from God, but legacy is for God. Legacy, what we send out into this world, is for God. As I said a minute ago, when I think about Emily graduating from college a year from now, we've... we've, Found out she actually graduates on Mother's Day next spring. She'll be walking across that stage. Mm-hmm. You know, it is going to be awesome. But you know what's so great? Is a year from right now, Emily will be buying her own food. She'll be off the payroll, Jack. Hey, Amen. Somebody help me preach that. That's a sermon right there. And so all summer long when she was home, she's already back at school. When she was home, just out of nowhere, we'd be sitting around just kind of hanging out. I'd be like, Emily, isn't it cool that you're going to be on your own and buying your own food and paying rent next summer? I'm excited about it. She's like, Dad, I don't need that. <laughs> but you see, part of our legacy, what Julie and I are trying, we're sending her out. Where we're, we're it's, Take care, pumpkin, <laughs> right if you get work. But but we're also we're also, <laughs> we're also praying our brains out that we've done everything we should have done, that we've done everything possible in God's power in God's timing to equip her, to prepare her, to, to make sure that she's ready to go, so that she doesn't need a crutch, so that she doesn't need to move back in. This is our legacy. Look at how Moses continues this this teaching to Israel and to us. Verse 17 of Deuteronomy 30 says, But, everybody say, but. But. This is a massive but. One T. Big but. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, And if you were drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long good life in the land that you were crossing the Jordan to occupy. You know, only only a father who's built up trust, who has shown unconditional love, can do that in a loving way. But that's a loving conversation to have. We don't do anybody any favors by shying away from hard conversations. When, when our kids were little, it was obvious. Boy, they walk out in the front yard, boy, we go with them. We hold their hands. Oh no, no, no. Don't don't run out in the street. Cars, cars, cars. You, you go out in the street. Cars win. You lose. Stay here. And then as they got a little older and they, they learned that they could trust us, we'd, we'd let go of their hands, but we'd say... Emily, Joseph, don't 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 run in the street. Don't 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 touch the hot stove. Hey, hey, don't don't tell a lie. When, when, when mommy asks you if, if you did something wrong and you know it was wrong, just, just own it. Because when you tell a lie, your life gets complicated and things don't work as well. Don't and so you, you build trust over time. Moses had the trust of Israel. They knew that if he was speaking it to them, it was truth. And and he's showing us here that a godly legacy demands courageous conversations. A godly legacy demands courageous conversations. If you're going to fulfill your legacy and pass that final exam of your identity, you're going to have to have some courageous conversations. You're going to have to be willing to broach some tough subjects. And Moses says here, if you choose to refuse to listen to God, that's your choice. But but understand the consequences of that choice. How much better off would you and I be as quote unquote grown-ups if we had heard that and really listened to it, maybe when we were in fourth grade, fifth grade, or before we got to high school or college when we had to discover that our choices have consequences that come with it. Moses is doing this here as an act of love, and he continues the conversation, Deuteronomy 31. When Moses had finished giving these instructions to all the people of Israel, he said, I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has told me you will not cross the Jordan River, but... The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy the nations living there, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua will lead you across the river just as the Lord promised. You see, a legacy deserves deliberate delegation. A real legacy deserves deliberate and intentional delegation. Moses had been preparing. He had mentored Joshua for over 40 years. He had seen Joshua lead Israel in battle, literally under fire. He knew Joshua's faithfulness. As a matter of fact, Moses had changed Joshua's name. He changed his name to Joshua. In the original Hebrew, it is Yeshua, which the Greeks changed to jesus it means the god who delivers and joshua would deliver israel into the promised land but that was really just a, a foreshadowing and a type of what jesus would deliver all of us into the forgiveness of god into the fulfillment of the life god created us to live and moses is saying how how, how amazing that moses did this in front of all of israel so that there was no confusion There was no like huge, you know, chaos around a plan of succession. He said, listen, God's going ahead of you and you will occupy the land that he has promised you, but he's going to use Joshua to get you there. It was this, this plan of succession. But look at the humility of Moses, the humility that caused him to go, look, I'm 120 years old. My my day is done. My time, it's past. And, And so it's time for Joshua to lead you. Have you ever known a leader who would not give up control? Who who would not relate, kind of, kind of white-knuckled the, the CEO office? You know, they're like, you know, 92, and like, no, I can still do it. That, that's a tough thing to do. My father-in-law is the CEO of a, of a pretty large company, a corporation, and, and I know for a fact that, that he has made sure that there's a plan of succession. He's still leading and charging pretty hard, but... If something happens to him, or if he decides to retire, there's a plan. There's a succession that is deliberately delegated so that the company continues to thrive and flourish whether he's there or not. And this is exactly what Moses was doing with Israel. It's what we hopefully do with our kids. We deliberately delegate. There's this godly transfer of power that happens over the course of their lives. It's what Jesus commanded Christ's followers to do before he returned to heaven. What did he say? He said, I will be with you to the ends of the age. Now, go and make disciples of all nations. What, what, a disciple. A disciple somebody that you mentor in the faith. You, you delegate the faith to. You, you teach and you show them, but then you also teach them how to do the faith. There's this deliberate delegation that happens in a godly legacy. And that's what Moses is is telling Israel is happening here with Joshua. Look at verse 7, though. I I love this passage of Scripture. It's one of my favorites in the whole Bible. Verse 7. Then Moses called for Joshua. And as all Israel watched, he said to him, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. You are the one who will divide it among them as their grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will never fail you nor abandon you. Whoa. Can you picture that moment where where Moses looked into the eyes of his protege? Moses, who had mentored Joshua for decades... He says, Joshua, this is your time. And all of Israel watches this, some four or five million strong, and they see that Joshua is now the delegated leader, the God-appointed leader of their nation. And, and, and you got to think about Joshua, no matter what he's done, no matter what he's been through, and Battles he's fought and won and what he's seen happen. There had to be a moment of apprehension to step into Moses' sandals and and to, to, to take on the mantle of leadership that was occupied by the guy who talked to God face to face, who got the Ten Commandments, who had led them for 40 years. And then Moses looks at him and he says, Joshua, you got this. You got, because cause God's going ahead of you. You're not doing this by yourself. You're not doing this on your own. You don't have to make this up. The Lord himself will go before you. I, I think that's probably what I ought to do next year at Mother's Day. When, when Emily walks across that stage at graduation, I, I, think, I think what I ought to do is, is you know, whatever celebrations we do and You know, if I give her an iTunes gift card for graduation or something, I think, I think what I need to do is just look at her and say, Emily, you got this. Yes, you have to buy your own food. Yes, you you can start dating somebody in 10 years, but I believe in you. You got this get you some go go do this go do what god's created you to do be who he's created you to be you got this and i believe with everything i have that that's god's message to us as we wrap up this series you do you i believe that if we choose to follow god and we choose life over death Shalom over destruction. If we choose to follow him, I believe we will hear God himself say, you got this. You you, you can do this. I'm going to go before you and I'm going to occupy the land that I've already promised to you. That I've already prepared for you. You got this. And I believe that because I've seen him do it. I believe that because I, I've lived it and I've, I've experienced the reality of that relationship with Him. Certainly not because I deserve it. Certainly not because my GPA was worthy of it. But because of who He is. Because of how ridiculously faithful He is. How unbelievably good He is. How indescribably powerful He is. And how perfectly loving he is. And so because, because I've seen those things, I've, I've experienced them, I've lived them, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose not to refuse. I'm, I'm going to choose life over death, shalom, fulfillment, and completion of his plan, of his will over destruction. I'm going to choose those things because of how good he is. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. And I want to ask you to just remain seated right where you are, nobody moving for any reason, but just I want to invite you to consider that choice for a second. Now, some of you here in this room have chosen to follow Christ. You've responded to his grace initiative. And you've you've chosen to follow him definitively and personally. But we still have choices to make every day, don't we? We still choose to step into or away from the identity he's given to us. Others of us in a room with, with this many people or watching online, I, my guess is, some of you have never chosen to follow Christ. You, you've chosen to be a, a good guy or a good girl, and that's, that's great as far as it goes, but understand that Jesus is life. Jesus is forgiveness. Jesus is grace and it's in him and only through him that we have relationship with God and so if you're here today and you've never personally and definitively stepped into that we want to give you the opportunity to do that right now just to pray right where you're seated just pray a a simple life changing eternity altering prayer of commitment of beginning just just talk to god silently right where you are just talk to him and just say silently just say jesus i need you i give you my life in exchange for yours i choose to believe that you died on the cross for me And that you rose again for me. I confess my sin. I claim your forgiveness. And I will follow you with everything I've got. Jesus, today I choose life over death, shalom over destruction. Jesus, I pray this prayer in your name with everything I've got. If you would, just remain with your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment. For those of you who prayed that prayer and you meant it, this is the greatest moment of your life. And so it's imperative. I mean, critical. Critical that you set yourself up for the next moment, for for what comes next. And we as a church want to help you with that. We want to come alongside and and just be a family of faith around you. We're certainly not perfect by any stretch, but we want to help. And so before you leave today, if that was your prayer and you meant it for the first time in your life, I'm going to ask you to, to do a couple of things. Number one, just fill out the Connect card that's in your program. Before you leave, just take a couple of minutes, name, contact information, and about halfway down, just mark that space that says, I committed my life to Christ this week. Then just fold that program on the on the fold there a couple of times back and forth and tear it off at the perforation. And before you leave, hand that connect card to one of our ushers or to somebody under the blue canopy on the front porch. And just, just make a brief personal connection, just say, hey, today was my day. And then the second thing as as we remain with our heads bowed and our eyes closed for a moment, if that was your prayer and you meant it, I want to ask you just to raise your hand, just hold your hand up high over your head for a moment. And as you do, you just mark this moment, you stamp it in your life you stamp it in the life of this church because there's nothing more important to us than what God just did in your life right there. It's a big deal. So your hand in the air indicates the commitment that you've made to Christ for yourself, for your mental and spiritual record keeping, but it also stamps it in the life of this church. That moment in your life and and in other people like you, that moment is the lifeblood of Jesus' church. It's why we exist. It's why we're here. And so as you put your hands down, we put our hands together to celebrate and honor that and just tell you, welcome home. Welcome home.